A bit of sport about at the moment, whether you're a summer or a, a winter sport fan, not that there's any such thing anymore, and especially if you're a bit of a petrol head. But Sam Ackerman, let's begin with the World Rugby World Cup. Interesting results the last few days, but the All Blacks know who they're up against now, and how are you feeling about all this morning? Good morning. Yeah, listen, it's it's a really intriguing one because the All Blacks are coming into a Rugby World Cup quarterfinal as underdogs, and I I don't feel like I've ever experienced that kind of feeling before. There's a large section of uh, rugby followers in this country who are doom and gloom about it, and and I don't want to I don't want to say that they're cheering against the All Blacks specifically, but there's some going well. You know, they deserve to be kicked out here. That deserves to be the uh, the way the Ian Foster era ends. There's been a lot of negativity, obviously, uh, over his coaching reign, uh, very well documented. But uh, uh, what surprises me is that while there is that feeling of he wasn't the coach I wanted or I don't like the way they play, I've been really surprised with a, I think it's a vocal minority, Catherine. I don't think it is the way of uh, most uh, rugby or sports followers in this country, but there are some that are going, you know, I'm, I expect the All Blacks to lose and they'll be getting what they deserve, that type of thing, rather than a, I, I hope that, you know, I don't like our chances, but I hope we still win. So really intriguing on that front. So for those unaware, uh, All Blacks are locked in for a quarterfinal date with Ireland. And I'd, I'd say this is an absolute date with destiny for me, uh, Catherine, because had they managed to win the World Cup, but let's say never come across Ireland in uh, that tournament to beat them, I, I feel that while it would be a great victory, it would have been hollow in the context of not getting not getting to see the uh, the, the end of the the Foster versus I- Foster era All Blacks versus Ireland. That'd be really intriguing for me. So I, I, I reckon this is you know Ireland are currently the world number one. Uh, they, of course, came down here and sent our country rugby-wise into a complete tailspin uh, with a series win down here for the, the first time in however long they've been trying. Uh, and they even outwardly came out, Ireland, uh, at the start, earlier in this tournament, said, if we could choose our quarterfinal opponent, we want it to be the All Blacks. They have literally called the All Blacks out for the stage. Uh, while there's been that lack of um, belief, this this is now the opportunity for the the Foster era uh, All Blacks because Ian Foster ends as All Black coach the next loss the All Blacks take and perhaps uh, he could finish on a victory if things really go to plan over the uh, next few weeks. Mind games are kicking in. Uh, people are reminding Ireland that uh, they are sem- seemingly allergic to the semi-finals, Catherine, of the Rugby World Cup. Quarterfinals has been their ceiling previously and so that's playing on their mind much like it does for South Africa and cricket, a great side that just can't seem to get the job done at the uh, those major tournaments. So re- really intriguing. But look, uh, one of the things to me is the All Blacks used to be the be-all and end-all. We now know they're not. And a great example for that is there was a golden rule in politics. You would never, ever put the election on the weekend that the uh, weekend that the All Blacks are playing. Not ever. Not not is it on while the All Blacks are playing this weekend. It's leading into a knockout event of the uh, World Cup, which used to be completely taboo. So a lot to come under the uh, bridge in the coming week. I'm very excited to see how it pans out, Catherine. Yeah, but also um, we never used to be able to delay watching rugby games either. But to your point, you would never have <laughs> contemplated delay watching rugby games. I think the thing is, watching that Ireland win over Scotland, I saw a team that looked capable of beating the All Blacks, and especially some Absolutely. of their team, and beating them at their own game, actually, or what used to be their own game, which is a running game. A kick has purpose, so a kick is, is either going into the hands of your own player or it's going, as Sir Wayne Smith said the other day, where the seagulls are, where there's, where there's, there's no player to, to retrieve it up on the other team. And they also, they've got a bit of fire in their eyes, the Irish. So let's see. Uh, 
you know. If, if you look, if you look at it purely in the context of where they are now, not taking in the history of previous World Cups in the past twelve to eighteen months, right now Ireland are what the All Blacks have so often been, and that is a uh, a dominant team who is saying come at us. And the All Blacks, thankfully, have got the depth to be able to challenge it. But it, it's a big deal. It's a massive deal. One v four in the world, arguably two of the the most uh, followed teams in uh, world rugby as well. So an intriguing week ahead. Well, let's look at the other quarters. And of course, all the top teams are, are ending up playing uh, off against each other. Any surprises? I mean, it was Fiji had a real hiccup, didn't they, with Portugal? Um, but <laughs> but anyone else up there that you've got your eye on and hoping for a, some kind of upset or at least a fascinating game? I think most neutrals would love to see Fiji um, go as deep as possible into the quarterfinals, as you mentioned. They're playing England, so that's a real clash of styles as well. And Fiji have proven, um, you know, they've, they've given England a real shake-up uh, previously, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility. But uh, obviously the, the, the big clash uh, is South Africa versus France. Uh, that will be monumental defending champs if it gets host. One of them's gone. So between the All Blacks in Ireland and those two teams playing, only two of the top four sides in the world will progress to the semifinal finals because that's the other side of those uh, quarterfinals are uh, looking a little bit more you know, straightforward in those contexts. Wales will play Argentina and the winner of that game uh, will meet the winner of All Blacks Ireland in the semis. Uh, so it's all north versus south. Uh, we hear a lot about where the balance of power is in world rugby. I think we're about to get a fairly good indication, Catherine, over the uh, the coming week. Now let's look at uh, the World Cup cricket and of course it was that brilliant match against England but when you think about it it was two batsmen who just had an absolute blinder so again you have to be careful what you take out of uh, results like that and how exciting Ravindra, what, uh, I, I've not seen him, I mean I've seen him play but I've not seen him play like this before and what an exciting prospect he is. And what a time to launch yourself. So Century has uh, moved into batting number three, usually battle, battle bats in the uh, the lower of the of the top order, mid-order perhaps. Uh, you call him down to six and seven there. So I, I I certainly wasn't expecting what we saw last week. And he's backed it up against the Netherlands with another 50. So uh, going great guns. I mean, it is fantastic. And it, this was more of a complete Black Caps performance. Look, the Black Caps should beat the Netherlands, but these tournaments always do have banana skin games as far as uh, upsets, re- very achievable in the 50-over format too. So uh, they put on 322 and... Most of the top order got a start. Will Young, who got a duck in the first game, uh, was the only guy like who didn't get a run who had a bat. Uh, he backed it up with a top score of 70 uh, in this one. So good to see that and uh, good to see the top order get some time in the middle. That's very important. Uh, but I really love, I love the bowling strategy, Catherine. They, they managed to restrict um, a Netherlands side that can throw the bat around. Uh, while they're not consistent, they have managed to court, get some good scores in the past. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I was really impressed to see them restrict them to 35 for one from the first 10 overs. And, and that is, uh, you know, at a time where you, you would throw caution to the wind. They just suffocated them. It was great. And then they uh, took the wind out of their sails entirely towards the end there. Mitch Satner grabbing uh, himself five wickets, uh, a great little haul there. And Ravindra bowled his, uh, his full 10 out as well uh, and grabbed a wicket and was the most economical of those who did bowl out 10. So, yeah, a really pleasing performance. Uh, Bangladesh up next. So a couple, and then Af- Afghanistan after that. So these are results that should go their way, but very good to get some time in the middle for these players. They're no mugs, the Netherlands. They never have been. It's actually no. a place that a lot of New Zealand cricketers used to go to play their uh, northern Hemisphere cricket. Um, Absolutely, and they had, a guy, I'm the, to their top they... scorer is Colin Ackerman. So I was, yeah. all, I was, I was, I was split. I was torn. I got to lie. Oh, there you go. I was trying to remember the match I saw them play against one of the top tier teams, where they put up a really good fight. I don't know, if it was South Africa. 
uh, South Africa or the Windies is one of those. One of those. Yeah, it was South Africa. Maybe both. It was. It was a really both with bat and ball. It was a gutsy match. Okay, uh, cricket at the Olympics. Do I have to come out of retirement? Yeah, well, I'd start dusting off the uh, the pads. Absolutely, <laughs> Catherine. Uh, apparently, 128 years since uh, last was involved in in the Olympics. It's been proposed for inclusion in the 2028 games, which is in LA. Of all, would it be 2020? Places. It would have to be, wouldn't it? Because you've got to keep things moving along, don't you? 2020? Probably. I can't, I can't imagine it would be 50, 50 overs. No way. Mm. Um, and t- Tess can take a, can definitely get back on the line for that one. Because <laughs> I'd, I'd love that in, uh, in LA, mind you, if it, but how long uh, it takes to get through a, a game of baseball sometimes, but I digress. Uh, and uh, it's not the only sport that's uh, in consideration, and some that are good for New Zealanders too, including squash. That'd be wonderful for New Zealanders. Susan Devoy left to come out of retirement. Absolutely. Well, she's got to get past. Uh, got to get past those of the day now. It's a very, <laughs> very colourful, strong uh, squad we've got in squash, both men's and women right now. Baseball, softball. Uh, flag football, which we play here in New Zealand uh, as well, the uh, American Football Federation of New Zealand uh, sent a team over to the uh, to the US recently, so that was a, a great moment for them. Uh, and lacrosse up for options too, so nice to see a bit of movement coming. But imagine cricket at the Olympics. Indeed. Now speaking of the Olympics, uh, Simone Biles, this is a real comeback story, right? Um, amazing, like staggering. So. Uh, we talk about legacy and the the legacy of Simone Biles is one of absolute success, but also of a level of grit that not a lot of people get to show in their, uh, in their lifetime. Those who may remember, she uh, pulled out of uh, competing in events of at the last Olympics because put her mental health first uh, and people were stunned that she would do that at that level, but she was comfortable. And after that, she took a break uh, for a couple of years and people thought that was the end of an absolute legend, but you know, she's managed to come back at the most recent world champs that just finished yesterday and shatter all kinds of records. First of all, the oldest world championship gold winner, at the age of 26, Catherine, 26 is the oldest to win a world, uh, world event in uh, gymnastics. She now, um, over the course of that uh, championship, she broke the record for most world medals of 30, most combined world and Olympic medals of 37, and most world gold medals of 23, a bunch of the whole, a whole bunch of other stats. But uh, she's been held up as an absolute role model of somebody who's prepared to go, do you know what? I need to get my life right first. She got uh, found herself a life outside of gymnastics and then came back and is still achieving. A, wonder, a, a wonderful role model and a uh, incredible athlete. Now, you've got... Let me, I mucked it up yesterday, so let me get the timing right. You've got three minutes, Max, <laughs> to wax lyrical about Kiwi's performance at Bathurst. Um, um, it was amazing. Shane Van Gisbergen uh, is on his way out of the supercars, for now at the very least, to go compete in America at NASCAR. So this was a swan song at the great race. And if you don't if you don't follow Bathurst, it is, is an endurance race that goes all day on that Sunday. It is essentially their grand final. Yep, you do win uh, the championship um, by winning overall races. But if you can win one race all year and you ask any driver, would you like to win Bathurst or the championship? They'll tell you Bathurst. It is It means the world to him. He has now won three of the last four after a very checkered history at the event uh, prior to that. So he put it, it was went for broke uh, and he managed to achieve, to put him up in the greats of uh, the races, not, not the top echelon. He's not Peter Brock with numbers, 
uh, but he certainly is uh, up there among the most winningest uh, of Bathurst drivers. And he did it with a fellow Kiwi in the car. Co-drivers, they switch in and out. And Richie Stanaway, that he did it with him is really important. It's only the second time that's happened. Greg Murphy, Stephen Richard did that back in 99, I think it was. Uh, and it's a real passing the torch moment because Stanaway is a great story because he's while he's only in his 20s, I, I believe, still, he retired from racing, gave it up. He dis- disillusioned back uh, you know, three or four years ago. He got tempted out to have a, a ride around Bathurst with uh, Murphy last year. And now Van Gisbergen brings him in. He's a champion and he's found himself a, a full-time ride back in supercars for next year. So a, a wonderful comeback story. It is uh, yeah, real special for New Zealand and for motorsport fans. Uh, and a, 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 we usually talk about winners here, but Ryan Fox came second at the Dunhill Lynx event. Uh, just finished this morning, Catherine. He has now won $4.2 million in the last month with three top three finishes. A champion of a bloke and a, a hell of a golfer too, up in the top 30 in the world. It's fascinating that ebb and flow with golfers, isn't it? You're on. Isn't it incredible? And, you know, let's hope it's a sustained on. But uh, when you are in, that's the same with Lydia Coe. It was the same with Michael, and I've just forgotten his name. Um, Campbell, yep. And, uh, you know, they, they get when you get in the flow as a golfer, it just seems to, you know, magical things happen. Um, and then I, you, you can't afford to be superstitious in any sport, but, but when the whatever's on your shoulder moves on, it, it can uh, it can all change so quickly. But here's hoping for him; he's on a long roll. Thanks so much, uh, and all the best for this uh, weekend and your fingernails and everything else uh, ahead of the the quarterfinals. At least they go in knowing they got to fight for it, and that might not be a bad thing. Sam, thanks very much.